You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast, a podcast that delivers value and offers up insight that'll help your credit union grow. ServiceStar has been consulting with credit unions for over 20 years, throwing them in the areas of cultural development, leadership development, and management training. To learn more about what ServiceStar can do for you or your credit union, check them out at servicestarconsulting.com. So Women's History Month, I mean, we could go, we could talk for hours <laughs> about all of the different women in the credit movement and all of the things that they've done over the years. And, and it's so exciting to see that women are so well represented in credit union CEO leadership. And I think where we're starting to hopefully see things change too is in the leadership of bigger credit unions. Lauren, it's high time to shine a brighter light on the spectacular women in this credit union industry. We're super happy to have you on this credit union leadership podcast to do just that. Well, Taylor, Lauren, take it away. Welcome everyone to the Service Star Leadership Podcast. This is Taylor, your CEO at Service Star Consulting, and I've got a special guest for us today. So for those that don't know this incredible person, you're going to meet an incredible person today. She's actually one of the very first people I reached out to when I took the job here at Service Star. And I've known her for years and just such a bright mind, but a great heart. And I'm just looking forward to have her share some of the stories that she has over the years, but also focusing about what she's been doing. So I will stop and I'm just going to throw it to her and let her introduce herself. So could you do me a favor, Miss Lauren Culp? I would be honored. Well, thank you, Taylor, for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to be here. I am the publisher and CEO at CU Insight, and gosh, Taylor, it's been years and years. We we did I3 uh, back in the day together and, and have kind of kept in touch ever since, and it's been a real pleasure to be able to see all the cool things happening in your career and, uh, and, and in the careers of so many different folks who we were with in I3 and other places. So I'm excited to be here. I think uh, it's, a, it's a really good time to be in credit unions. It's really a great opportunity to spotlight some of the strong leaders in our industry that are women. And that's really a, a good opportunity for today. I know you've done a lot of work, but you've just blown past expectations that you've even set for yourself. And I just want to hear a little bit more about that. You've been at Credit Union Insight for how long? So I started at Seaman's in September 2019. So a little over three years now. Wow. I yep. can't believe it's been that long. I know. And I like to think that kind of COVID time just didn't really exist. So it feels like I just started in some ways. And in other ways, it feels like I've been here for a long, long time. Well, then I'm going to ask you one question because you can say that today is your most enjoyable part about CU Insight. But what do you enjoy the most out of your work, except for talking to cool people like me? Well, that, I mean, that comes pretty high on the list. (laughs) One of my favorite things about the work that CUNC does, first of all, it is sort of the organization is built to support credit unions. And that is just such a privilege and such a joy. And to be able to say that sort of the mission, the reason that we exist at all is to be able to connect the credit union community is really unique. And I think for us, we're just really constantly focusing on what do people want to be connected and how, what's missing in the marketplace? You know, what, when you're thinking about what you need to stay connected to your fellow, you know, credit union folks from across the country, across the globe, in some cases, 
sometimes, you know, it's, it's easy to think, okay, well, the in-person events, those, those are where we're connected to them, but there's so much thought leadership in the industry. There's so many big minds and big ideas. And for us, our, our favorite part, my favorite part, and, and I would say this probably applies to most of my team too, but is just getting to work with so many thought leaders across the credit union community and so many rock stars, you know, this is an industry full of rock stars. And I think all of us, are just really, really privileged to say that the work that we do is like our work. You know, sometimes one of the best things I think about being a part of the credit union community is that if you work at a credit union, you could do your, you know, accounting role or your lending role, your IT role, and know that you're a small piece of this like big puzzle of like what credit unions exist for, which is to better the financial lives of consumers and and overall their their overall lives too, not just their financial lives, because we know that there are so many ties between your financial health and your physical health and, and all of these other parts of our lives. But for us, I think it's really exciting to say, you know, this doesn't feel like work most of the time. It feels like we got to connect with so many different people and we got to really showcase some of the, the voices of those folks who are at the forefront of leading credit unions and the mission that we have and, and the ways that we can serve consumers. What are some of the things that you've done to really prepare yourself for today and tomorrow? It's Women's History Month is is so important because we're kind of exploring some of the stories that we haven't gotten to hear from from women leaders in the industry. And one of the funny things about it is that I always kind of have this um, this like gut reaction of I don't love hearing the words like female CEO as if a woman like as if a CEO couldn't be a woman you know just just for the sake of it. And I think I think that in a lot of ways too when we're talking about like young professionals, well it's like you know, so professionals can't be younger. <laughs> and so I think about all of these qualifiers that we sometimes add to, to these words, you know, female CEO or woman CEO. And I'm really excited to see, you know, that the credit union industry of all industries is one where we have so many CEOs who also happen to be women. <laughs> and we can say without the qualifier too, but I think it's so important when you've got a group that's historically underrepresented in leadership and, and you think about, you know, women in general, but also women of color, especially underrepresented in leadership, it's so important to take time to really recognize and kind of elevate that and, and to help us kind of understand as a, as a country, as a globe, that there are so many women who are doing such amazing things and that the leadership title, you know, isn't, isn't just, you know, naturally you might think it's, it's for, it's for men, but there are so many women who have done so much work too, I think in, in starting our industry and founding our industry and, and helping to get us to where we are now. Um, and I have, I've always loved to, I think, you know, we can't leave out the other 50% of the population either. When we're talking about Women's History Month, I think men have such an important role too, because if you've only got women talking about what women do, then, okay, well, you've got half the people <laughs> out there who are involved. But when you think about the the role that men can play as allies to women in the workplace, as um, you know, sponsors and mentors and advocates for all of the great things that women are doing. I think that is where you start to see actual like fundamental change happen. But I think when we think about kind of those ingrained biases that we have, it's really interesting to kind of explore the root of it. And I'm guilty of it too. My partner is going to, is kind of meeting with a surgeon in a couple of weeks, talk about an elective procedure. And I was like, oh yeah, what's he going to say? You know, what do you do? And he was like, well, actually he's a woman. And I was like, I right there. Wow. I did this. <laughs> I'm guilty of it too. And so I think it's a learning moment for all of us too, or a kind of a learning journey, if you will. But when you think about what role men can play in supporting women in their organizations, one of the things that I see time and time again is that women are 
I see some really, really competent women and I see them kind of labeled as like helpful, helping, you know, they're, they're good at the details, they're good at the tasks, that sort of thing. And then I, I don't hear as many women labeled as visionary leaders, or, you know, when you think about the behaviors or the traits that we expect, it's a lot of, you know, women are warm and and nurturing and kind and men are leaders and strong. And, and so I think for all of us, it comes back to kind of understanding where our implicit biases are. But then when you're, when you're looking in your organization and you see, you know, a woman who it has a lot of potential and wanting, you know, maybe some mentorship, some growth. One of the other things we sometimes see is that a lot of the office housework falls on women. Mm -hmm. And so office housework being things like making the coffee, dialing into the meeting, setting up the, you know, sending the email, um, setting up the agenda, but even things like mentorship, even things like, uh, you know, going to kind of the events group, events committee, or YP development, or things like that, a lot of that tends to fall on women. Just if you look at the research, the numbers are pretty clear. And so I think for a lot of it too, it's it's got to come from the side of women and the side of men, you know, and, and anybody who would say that they don't fall into either of those categories. And so when you, when you think about folks in the, in the workplace, I think you've got the opportunity to a, if, if it's a, a sort of a junior woman or a junior person that you're thinking of, of trying to help mentor, that's so important. And being able to open doors for someone like that. But then you think about the role of a mentor, maybe almost like a coach. But then if you've got somebody who is like a sponsor for you in the organization, you know, that might be someone who does have a seat at the executive table or does have a seat at the table who can say, hey, you know what? She's doing really great work. I think we should include her and who can be that voice to kind of elevate the work that that person is doing. So. You know, I think I've heard the stories too of men who are like, oh, well, I, I don't want to mentor any women because I don't want anything negative to kind of come out or any accusations or anything like that. And I think that's such the wrong perspective to have when we're thinking about, you know, women, we, we all need to work together to help solve this issue. And, and frankly, sometimes it's kind of labeled as a soft issue. But when we think about the, the impact of diversity on our organizations, it's a business issue. The business performs better when we have diverse voices represented at all levels of the organization. And so if it's if it's hard for you to think about it from the lens of like, oh, you know, it's just a soft, feel-good, warm, fuzzy thing that we want to do, it actually has really, really like clear results in the business in terms of the top line, the bottom line. We all perform better when everyone's represented. And I think it, if it comes to that, that's an easy way to look at it too. You know, it's good for business to have women represented and to have, uh, you know, minorities represented, people of color represented at all levels. And so that's really, I think, you know, coming back to your original question of what can men do if you're, if you're thinking about how to help, I think it's being open. It's, it's questioning what your own biases are. And it's looking around you to say, you know, what do the women around me need? How can I support them and, and really understand even in ways of, you know, being flexible with some of the things we see women more often have the burden of childcare fall on them than their counterparts. Um, and a lot of times things like, you know, picking the kids up from school or if the kid is sick, who's staying home with them and that sort of thing. And so I think uh, flexible workplace policies also are, are a really good one if you're in a position to really affect change in that area too. Wow. Talk about some truth bombs, man. I, I love it. I think of, uh, there's four or five things that I've been jotting down uh, already. So uh, I, I, I'm excited to, to take some of those initiatives myself and bring them back and just 
consciously do some things differently. The house, uh, what do you call it? The house work. office housework. Yes. Yes. You, you hit it right on the head. So then, all right. My last question before a little fun one at the end is what about those women that are listening? What could they do? What is something that they could do a little bit differently or. Yeah. Yeah. For women who are looking to advance their careers or just looking to have their voice heard, you know, whatever it looks like. I think that there are a couple of key things you can do. And one of those is to kind of look for what I would kind of call two-way mentorship. You know, if you've got someone in your organization who can act as that mentor for you, sometimes there are things, and it's just kind of the world we live in, but there are things, you know, if you're a woman and you, um, you know, you might come across to to some people, too like assertive or too dominant or something like that, where sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. And it, it really shouldn't because the same behavior from a man doesn't always do that. And, and so it shouldn't, but sometimes it's really good to have somebody who can kind of give you feedback and say, Hey, this is what I think would help with this area. Or, you know, you would, you would maybe be able to engage more people. If you did this, someone who you work with, who could act as kind of a mentor for you can be really helpful. And I think, you know, when we think about the the future of our industry, especially there are so many great women in it who are, who are in roles that are leading the the industry forward. And I would say, don't feel like, you know, there's so many great women out there who you could have as a mentor. And there are also a ton of really, really passionate, amazing men in our industry. And so I would say as a woman, don't necessarily limit yourself to having just women as mentors, because I think that there's so much value, just the way that there's value in that diversity of perspective in our organizations, there's value for that in the people that you surround yourself with as mentors and, and as friends and peers and leaders. So I would say kind of looking both ways and then also looking where you can kind of give back to, because there's so much development. Obviously, it's so important to have that mentorship kind of going back for other folks who might need it. But then there's also so much value for you in, in really learning, you know, as a teacher, some people will say like you learn the most. And so it's the same sort of thing as, as a mentor, when you're doing that kind of mentorship, you're really learning so much yourself along the way. So I think the power of, a, of mentorship, the power of a network to being able to stay in touch with folks. And it, it doesn't need to be anything formal. I mean, it could be just, just like this, you know, we, we chatted at I3, we chatted at when we were starting these roles and, and we're kind of keeping the relationship going. And to your point, you know, we may, one of us may drop off here or there and, you know, time goes by and we're we're busy people, but I think we kind of keep that relationship going. And I would say there's nothing more important than the power of our network and the power of the people around you and, and helping you to advance in your career or whatever your sort of life goals are. And I think kind of weaving those together holistically to be you know, one person. And I have goals for my career, but I also have goals for my personal life and, and kind of understanding that those kind of go hand in hand. I think the people we surround ourselves with will, will really kind of help us drive those forward. Last question here, and I'm going to let you wrap up. Fun fact about you. Now, I've known you with when you were with the Cooperative Trust. I've known you with I3. I've known you with CU Insight. There's probably some things out there that I don't know about you, and that's perfectly okay because you're going to share one with me now. How about that? Man. A fun fact. Fact. Well, for those who don't know, this is kind of my default fun fact, but um, I actually went to college in Alaska. I moved there when I was 18 just because I liked it. I went there for the summer. I loved it. Moved there and ended up transferring schools and graduating from, from the University of Alaska. And I'm in Wisconsin now, based in Wisconsin. But when I was thinking about moving here for work and Tansley Stearns was trying to recruit me down here, she and I say down, but you know, it's not actually that much. 
it's further south when you think about it. Um, she had me come interview in July. And so I was looking for somewhere warmer because I was like, you know, Alaska, it's cold. It's actually in Juneau where I was based a temperate rainforest. So it rains or precipitates 300 plus days a year. So it's a lot of gray skies. Well, I, you know, interview in July in Wisconsin, it's amazing. It's warm. It's like 80 degrees, 90 degrees. Um, and then there was a polar vortex shortly after I actually got, got down here in negative 30. So the cold weather seems like it follows me, but, but that, that'll be my fun fact for you. So I, I once spent a good chunk of time in Alaska. Well, stay away from me. I, I moved away from the Midwest <laughs> to get out of the warmth and I'm here in Florida. So, Hey, uh, <laughs> Thank no you pleasure. so much, though, for being on this. Uh, you've dropped some some serious thoughts to myself, and I'm hoping some of our listeners took them as well. Uh, a question for you here, because, of course, you also have a podcast at See You Insight. Are you able to share a little bit of how people can reach out to you, contact you, hear you, hear you and Randy? Absolutely. We've got two podcasts, the CU Insight, the CU Insight Network, and the CU Insight Experience podcast. The CU Insight Experience is our flagship podcast. So Randy Smith, our co-founder, hosts that one, does a great job. Um, both of them you can find on cuinsight.com slash podcast and slash or. You can go to any podcast player of your choice and just search for CU Insight and you will find all those episodes. And we'll be sure to keep those in the show notes so they could, uh, we'll get some contact information, all your, your Instagram handles and then rocking and rolling. But uh, otherwise, thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you for everyone else that was listening out there. You enjoy your day and we'll see you guys next time. Have a great afternoon.